All right. Hi, and welcome to the Involved Company podcast. I'm your host, Christina Gonzalez-Sander, and every Tuesday, I host no BS conversations with women of color about the intersections of race, identity, and our cultural upbringings with everything else. So essentially, we are a lifestyle podcast created for women of color to talk about everything from self-development, well-being, finances, spirituality, entrepreneurship, all the things. And so before we dive into the episode, a few housekeeping things today. So if you didn't know, we are hosting a monthly giveaway with our friends at Allbirds. You can win a free pair of Allbirds, so it's cool, right? At the end of the episode, I'm going to let you know how you can enter the monthly giveaway, and we're going to be doing this all the way up until February when the season of the podcast ends. And yeah, I'm super excited. We love them. Their shoes are comfy, and I'm not even lying about it. So I wouldn't even do that to you anyway. (laughs) But the second thing I wanted to tell you is that I'm going to be teaching a workshop on journaling to explore your identity with Ethel's Club. And I'm super stoked. They asked me to come into their community and and teach something. So I'm actually gonna give you guys the link to download the PDF with some journaling prompts. And if you're part of Ethel's Club, I hope that you'll join me. I will announce the workshop on our Instagram page and newsletter. Also, if you don't know what Ethel's Club is, It is a social and well-being community celebrating people of color, which is fucking awesome. And I have a huge crush on Naj Austin. So maybe one day she can come on the podcast and talk to us about what it was like building that company. And if you haven't heard of it, you should go check it out. So this leads me to today's episode with Aisha Erkin we sit down and talk about exploring your identity on topic. I can't believe that we haven't talked about this yet because this is essentially what Inbuilt Company is all about. This is why I started this. At the heart of what we do, we're creating space for self-discovery for women of color. I want you to be able to explore your identity and the way that it intersects with all of the other parts of your life because At least for me, my identity as a first-generation Filipina American is so embedded in who I am today. And I saw this really funny TikTok that my friend sent me. Maybe you guys saw it. I posted it on Instagram, but it was like this kid and it said like nobody blank. And then it was every child of an immigrant that's like you know, I just have always been between worlds and haven't really found a place for myself. And it's pretty spot on. So if you saw it, I hope you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, this is the whole point, right? Exploring our identities and how we show up in the world. And so you're gonna learn more about Aisha throughout the podcast, but just a smidge about her before we get into it. So she grew up in three different continents and comes from a multicultural hybrid family. She's an architect based in Austin. Well, technically she's working remote, but regardless. And she's also the co-founder of Brown Girls Food Club, which is 
super dope and we've had them do an instagram story takeover before but y'all should check them out as well and what i really love about her work is that she uses her love for architecture and design and food to really explore her roots as a third culture kid as she says and it is honestly an experience if you go on her instagram to see the different ways that she's exploring her mother's closet foods from all the places that she's lived and how it's influenced her family it's just really amazing and i love what she does and i'm sure y'all are gonna love her too so let's get into this episode and i'll talk to you soon thank you so much for doing this with me yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm flattered. I'm so excited. Oh my god, excited as well. And I don't even know if we've ever gotten to like talk face to face ish before. I don't think so. I wish we did because like it's you know <laughs> difficult nowadays. But when I'm in Austin, I'll definitely let you know. Yes, please. And so wait, you were just with Hamila. How was Arizona? It was great. Yeah, I was with Hamila for about two and a half weeks in Arizona, collaborating with her on a jewelry line while also working full time. But since we are working remotely, I wanted to take advantage of it since mm-hmm. I tend to get really frustrated being in Texas for extended periods of time. So when she was like, hey, do you want to work on this line together in Arcosanti? I was like, uh, bet I'll see you there 100%. Like I need to go <laughs> somewhere that's not Texas, even though like, you know, Arizona isn't all that far, but yeah. I've never been. But it was just no, cool. I haven't been either. I've never been to Arizona. Yeah. Strangely, I feel like I've traveled a lot, but not necessarily in the states. Actually, same. Yeah, I mean, I usually if I go travel in the states, it's usually the places that I really love, like New York or. I'm like thinking where else. I mean, I always just want to. I go to New York every year. Usually, I try to. But yeah, usually it's like friends, family. So New York, California. That's about it. East Coast, West Coast, and then the South. I -hmm. haven't been to like anywhere in the middle area, more or less, which I feel like I need to. But I also, I'm not going to lie, I can't name all the states, but I didn't, I didn't grow up here. So it's not my fault. Yeah, (laughs) no, absolutely not. Which I want to kind of get into because again, it's kind of like, you know, we follow each other on Instagram and there's only so many things I think you can learn from somebody after following on Insta. Yeah. (laughs) But I am super curious. I also just generally, I I love, love when you do all of your like styled photo shoots and your fashion, you and your brother are like, (laughs) I saw that you style your brother though. So I'm going to give you credit for that. Thank you. I help him out. He's he's doing it on his own as well. I obviously love style and styling others and myself and so he started getting into thrifting because I guess the younger generation now realize that thrifting's way better than just going to the store and buying stuff it's cheaper it's sustainable it's more unique and so he's been thrifting and just basically asking me consistently like should I get this what color should this go with what about this cut and then I'll be like no yes no yes <laughs> and be like okay this looks better get these shoes so those Doc Martens I was like you need those Doc Martens because I'm gonna get them as well and then we can match because that's cute you know siblings matching and all <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no I love that y- y'all are super fashionable thank you yeah no I love following it I think it's so fun I'm like damn I wish I could also <laughs> go through my mom's closet and have these like amazing looking outfits. I just love what y'all are doing. And so I guess, let me backtrack a little bit. 
I'm going to have you introduce yourself. For sure. So people know who you are and how yeah. you want, like to present yourself. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a warning. I'm very ADHD, so you're going to have to like keep me on track. I get derailed very often. <laughs> and okay. I also like don't consider myself a good speaker. So I excuse myself for that in case I just basically stop <laughs> in my tracks. And I'm like, wait, what was I talking about? No, no. I think it's going to be great. Don't even worry about it. Thank you. So, okay. So I'm going to have you introduce yourself. You can say okay. like three sentences or so. My name is Aisha Erkin. I work in architecture, but I consider myself a multifaceted designer. I like to dabble in basically anything that interests me. So be it design, fashion, cuisine, visual arts, anthropology, honestly, anything. Like I don't try to limit myself in one box. That's actually where my interest began is everybody tried to label me, whether it's like my ethnicity or where I'm from or what I do. And I just got so tired of just being like, I am this. So yeah, I am more than one thing. That is me. But oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. I know. I mean, you know, what's funny is like, I have such a hard time with Instagram bios because I'm like, I got to write this. And it's like, how do you explain it? And then it's kind of like, I don't only want to be about what I do. Like exactly. for work. Because I'm just more, you know, we're all more complicated and dynamic than yeah. that. That and like people grow, people change, and you learn new skills. And then sometimes you realize the new skills that you learn, you actually are more interested in or better at it than something you did previously. So it's like defining yourself in whatever, I don't know how many characters is on the Instagram bio is so difficult. And yeah, Instagram is just what you, like, I love Instagram. I've met so many people from there. I mean, like, I'm talking to you from there. Yeah. And so... It's such a difficult relationship because what you perceive isn't always reality. And I, mm-hmm. I like try to be myself on there, like in my stories. But if you look at my feed, you're like, oh, dang, she's always looking, you know, like she's dressed up all the time. And like, this is what she's cooking all the time. And like this, she's like traveling all the time. Like, no, most of the time I'm not doing that. Like, usually yeah, I'm like, wearing these are old photos. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, usually I'm wearing athleisure sweatpants. I'm not cooking every day. It's like, I'll eat ramen nonstop. I love ramen. Like sometimes I'll just eat Trader Joe's snacks for dinner because, you know, we're busy. So yeah. yeah. Busy people. Well, can I ask you? Okay. So you said earlier that you're not from the US, right? Yeah. But you're living in Texas now. And so could you give me like a little rundown on where you're from, where you're born? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I will try to keep it little, but it can get long. It's okay if it's long. I okay. say All right. Awesome. So I wasn't born in the US. I moved here when I was 14. So in 2006, I was born in Pakistan, in Islamabad, Pakistan. I'm one of five siblings and the only one that was actually born there. So we lived there on and off for about, I think, a total of 10 years. We've also lived in Saudi Arabia, in Jeddah and Riyadh area, where Jeddah is where three of my siblings were born. And then we lived in Germany briefly, where my youngest sister was born. So we basically like country hopped consistently between these three countries before my parents decided we should settle in the US after we applied for um, immigration visa. And it was either, it was really funny, it was between the US, Nova Scotia, and <laughs> yeah, because it was like, had a, like an immigration program where I think they like give you citizenship within a year if you live there because they don't have a lot of diversity and it's really cold. So nobody mm. really wants to move there. Um, <laughs> They're like, you can come here, it's really cold. We would love to have you. Yeah, and I guess like my parents like, okay, whichever one we get a visa for, we'll just pick that. And it's happened to be America, even though I'm like, 
damn it, y'all. Like, you know, could have been somewhere else and not have to deal could with it. Could have been in England. I know, right? Where I'm maybe moving. I don't know. Maybe next year. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get <laughs> to that. I'm excited to hear. But where I'm actually from, like ethnicity-wise, is even I'm going to say a bit more complex, even though what I said wasn't necessarily simple. My family comes from basically a line of immigrants. So with immigration comes a lot of mixed heritage and then also like third culturalism and feeling that, you know, where you're from isn't necessarily linked to home, etc. So on my father's side, my grandfather was Uzbek. And he immigrated from Uzbekistan to India, which now is modern day Pakistan. He was on that side after partition. And he immigrated because he was a freedom fighter. And so when the Soviets basically took over, he had to flee with his father. And so they ended up in Pakistan. My grandmother, she was half Uyghur and half Afghani, but she grew up in East Turkestan, which is a region. I don't know if you've heard of what's happening in China, Northeast China. So it's... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's called Xinjiang, but we Uyghurs say East Turkestan because that's the name that the land was given. So that's where she grew up. And she had to also leave in the 50s when the CCP was taking over for safety. So she was in Pakistan in the 50s. So yeah, Uyghur, Afghani, and Uzbek <laughs> on my dad's side. And then, of course, Pakistani, even though by blood, he's not Pakistani, but he was born there. He was born raised there. Born there, raised there. Exactly. So like considers himself Pakistani and since I was born there too, I'm like, yeah, that's me as well. And we speak the language. And then my mother's side, my grandfather is a mix of different Gulf Arab regions. So he's Saudi, Egyptian, Jordanian, and then Kurdish because his mom was Kurdish. So I'm like still trying to figure out my mom's side is a bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. And then her mother is Turkish and Bulgarian. And also like her family basically were Bulgarian refugees and they had to come to Turkey. So like a lot of movement because of war and strife of and war yeah yeah and uh my mom was born in venezuela <laughs> what <laughs> everyone's just like where why she's born in venezuela lived there well she was really young i think they moved when she was one lived in india saudi arabia and then spent most of her life in germany so that's where the german connection comes in mm, okay and my grandmother is still in germany so yeah <laughs> that's, wow that's where i'm from so many different places yeah it gets confusing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so this place and this place. I'm going to re-listen to this so that I can remember all the different <laughs> facets of, of your identity and your family's identity. But yeah. is that kind of how you started or like wanting to explore your identity more was because of all these different aspects of like where your family's from and different movement because of war and that sort of thing? Like, is that how it all started? Kind of. It actually started from honestly just being annoyed when people would ask me where I'm from and I wouldn't have an answer and from moving consistently you get a really good understanding of how to read the room you know when to answer that question with a long answer or a short answer and most of the time you know being in the south in the U.S. I was met with like annoyance if I went beyond just like one word answer and so Instead of being like, damn, I wish I was just from one place, which several times I did wish I was just from one place because it would mm -hmm. make my life easier. I just became more curious to why this question was giving me so much anxiety and why I couldn't really place myself anywhere. And so through that and trying to understand myself better and trying to understand, like, honestly, just like every part of our daily routine and daily life, like food, what we wear, just like why we do certain things, why I speak a certain way, etc., that led to 
basically going back into the past, asking my family members questions, asking my parents questions. And it's been a really interesting journey because actually I'll give you a really funny story. It's like I said, tangents always happens. But one time a friend of mine, I was, I think I was saying something and then I said, I am not going there. And they were just like, did you just say amint? He's like, yeah. (laughs) And they're like, that's not a word. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is what I was taught in English. Like amint is a word. And so we Googled it because, you know, that's what everyone does when they're like, "Um, no, you're wrong. And so turns out amint, I mean, I don't think it's an actual official word, but in Irish English, they use it very often. (laughs) And then you're probably thinking, where does Irish come into play? So when I was in Germany and I went to school there, we went to an international school and my English teachers were Irish. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. Yeah. It's wild. Like you don't think of these things. And then Mm -hmm. someone says something to you and you, it actually makes you think you're like, wait, this isn't normal. And then you connect the two dots and you're like, oh my God, I never even thought about that. So Miss O'Keefe, I say Amit because of you. Miss (laughs) O'Keefe. No, I mean, I used to teach English. So I totally get that because my students were Spanish. And so when they're learning English, you know, I'm technically supposed to be teaching them British English. But obviously, I don't even know British English. So I'm teaching them what I know. And, you know, just general, I don't know. Interesting. Colloquialisms. Am I saying that right? Oh, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. I'm like, ooh, I definitely (laughs) butchered that. Um, Yes, I do speak English, but I could not say that word. (laughs) I I would say, like, I'm forgetting English, like being back home and speak. So we speak multiple languages in our house. And... Now I'm like, I don't have a first language anymore because I don't speak anything proficiently anymore. So yay. <laughs> kind of like half of everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, just a mix. Wait, what languages do y'all speak at your house? So with my mother, I speak in Arabic. With my father, I speak in Urdu. And then with my siblings, I speak in English. But we mix all of them together. So my parents speak to each other mostly in English, but then they also integrate Urdu and Arabic. It gets pretty confusing, but like for us, we were brought up this way so it just is natural but my parents like I'm so impressed with them they each speak about five languages that's amazing and I only speak three five to six so you know I'm You're slacking like, I only speak three I'm slacking <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I wish that I could speak other languages I can speak in Spanish but it's been a while since I used it because I don't have to use it you know what I yeah. mean like I don't have anyone really to talk to anymore but it's funny because my husband's from South Africa. I love and South so, Africa. Me too. It's really cool. <laughs> I was like, I can live there if you'd like to go back. At some point. Um, yes, I'll come visit. I'm not even yeah. joking. A friend of mine moved there and I literally went to visit her. So really? I stayed. Where'd you go? I went to Cape Town. Oh, love. I haven't even been there yet. You know, he's from Durban, which is on the opposite coast. Uh huh. But I mean, he sent me a house the other day and I was like, <gasps> damn, that house is nice. I mean, you know, like, if you spent the same amount of money here in Austin, you would literally be living in the smallest place humanly possible in the city. So yeah, I don't know. I said I'd be, I'd be game, but you not leaving do it. You but should do it. I think pretty cool. It's awesome. I, I visited like uh, my friend Paulina there. And here's the thing. Like if I tell you, I'm going to visit you, I will. My follow through record is 10 out of 10. I will take that compliment for myself. I'm very <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> 
I'm like, I will make it happen. It might take longer than expected, but you know, it'll happen. So like one it's day just... I'm definitely showing up. So you better be ready. Exactly. I'm like, I'll be at your front door. <laughs> I just like, I love it. I love traveling. I feel like it gives you, obviously, you know, it is a privilege, especially like, you know, depending on passports and visas yes. and things like that. That's definitely something that I learned because it's my hard. husband is an immigrant. It is very hard to get into certain places and all the different rules. And as in a, somebody that has an American passport, it's like, I've definitely taken an advantage and I forget how easy it is actually for me to travel the world yeah. and like move through borders because no one really cares about an American passport. It's true. I mean, one of the reasons we moved to the U.S. because here's the thing is like a lot of people think that my family and I immigrated to the U.S. because like we lived in villages or something. Like I had so many people when I was in high school and Granted, I went to high school in Tyler, Texas. I don't know if you heard that all the issues that was happening with the Robert E. Lee High School naming. That's where I went. They finally changed oh. the name. Yeah. Like it's some people love Tyler, but to be honest, I hate that city. No offense. I don't hate the people from there. I have several friends that I love and I'm so good friends with, but it's just like it's a not a small town. It's a decent sized city with a small town mentality. So unfortunately, mm. a lot of people there don't get to travel or don't get to meet a lot of diverse people and just have this skewed perspective of the world. So yeah, we were met with a lot of, oh, did you live in mud huts in Pakistan? Like, you know, it was just strange. I didn't expect that. But yeah, one of the reasons we moved here was because we understood the importance of a U.S. passport and how much flexibility mm. it you for the rest of the world. And so despite <laughs> the irony of how nobody wants us to come to their countries anymore because of the pandemic how they've like basically blocked us off mm -hmm. that the world is open when you have that blue passport so yeah we got our citizenship and i am pretty grateful for it because i did notice the difference it made while traveling when i first got to study abroad i had my u.s passport and i was just like this is a world's difference than what it was like before like not having one so yeah it is a privilege. it's pretty crazy it's like I didn't even think about it. You know, I've had the ability to travel to a lot of different places. Um, I studied abroad. I just have, you know, I've been to South America. I've been mm -hmm. to Asia. I've been all across Europe. And it never even really dawned on me that that, even if you had the money to travel, mm -hmm. even if your passport is different, you still will find yourself with a lot of different roadblocks, which yeah. is pretty crazy. But you know, what was it like for you when you came to the United States? Because I know you mentioned a little bit earlier that you were met with a lot of weird questions. And this was, you said you moved back here in 2006, right? Yeah, yeah, 2006. It was difficult for sure. I mean, we were already mostly used to moving around consistently. And it wasn't just like moving countries. <laughs> it was moving homes within cities. Like the longest I've ever lived in a physical space was about four years or four and a half years. And that was my apartment in Austin that I just moved from. That's the longest I've ever wow. been rooted. Yeah. So it's the constant movement didn't necessarily phase me, at least like I knew it, it affected my siblings in different ways. But for me, the, the shock was how, to be honest, like not if informed the people were, like how everyone says America is number one and how the education system is incredible. But I was met with a lot of ignorance and a lot of mm -hmm. not necessarily hate. And I say, I don't say necessarily hate because I have lighter skin, even though I'm 
not necessarily white passing, but like because I have lighter skin, I wasn't met with a lot of like race issues, more uh, religious issues when people would find out I'm Muslim. But yeah, I was just honestly disappointed in how little people knew about the world. Like people didn't even know where Pakistan was, which I'm like, it's been on the news. Do y'all not watch the news? Like somebody once asked my sister if Pakistan was a state in America. What? Yeah. Oh gosh. So that was a bit shocking to us and quite disappointing because I know my parents were like, had the impression that American education system was better, which this goes, honestly, like this conversation goes down to like colonialism and everything and how we view the Western world as being at a higher level than the Eastern world, despite, you know, the East having the same benefits. But I guess one of the biggest things to me that shocked me and in a good way was how we were driving back from the airport and I noticed all the houses didn't have walls and gates in front of them and how green oh the gosh. are. Yeah, that was unusual for me because in Pakistan, every house is gated. Yes. Jürgen yeah. says the same thing about South Africa. And I yeah. was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah. I mean, literally every house has high walls and fences yep. and gates. You know, you can't just walk up to somebody's house. Yeah, no, you would never. Uh, it was very strange for me to see I mean, I guess like the the short white picket fence and then the perfectly manicured lawn. And then now that I've been here for a while, like the suburban homes <laughs> before yeah. I was like, whoa, these homes are so different. But that was a big surprise, just like a first impression. And then the other thing I noticed was how blue the sky was and how I could see the clouds. Because where I lived in Pakistan, there's a lot of smog. And mm. so even though we would have, I mean, beautiful days, my memory isn't super clear, but I do remember I was like, wow, damn, that sky is blue, blue. Like, that is blue. <laughs> it wasn't super cloudy, like not smoky. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's definitely not something that I would have thought that would have been surprising for you when you got here. Yeah. It's just something that's stuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's like super, you're like, wait, this is very different. And mm-hmm. I think I really enjoy having, for example, like Jurgen's perspective on things because it's really easy for all of us to get used to what's quote unquote normal, right? Just like yes. things that you take advantage of or you just don't really notice. And then it takes somebody else coming in or something new for you to kind of shift your perspective. And I think that when you're able to travel or, you know, maybe even like live globally, right? You get a chance Mm -hmm. to move and live in different countries. You start to see different things and you start to notice, you know, just maybe not even small details, big details too, you know, just like the way of life of certain people, like what is a privilege to have is like clean air. Yes. Water. And those things are, you don't really know unless you either are super curious and you want to study something like that, or if you do have the ability to go elsewhere and travel. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, even though, I mean, it wasn't necessarily an easy life moving around, mm-hmm. I'm super grateful for it because I did get to see a good chunk of different parts of the world, you know, pretty early on as a child. And it has shaped who I am today. And I see, it, it did take me a while to realize that I see the world in a different lens. But I'm super grateful for it because I think it, when I learned how to use it towards my strengths and how to connect with others that have had similar experiences, I was like, oh, this is really, really helpful. Because before what it does is it just makes you feel isolated because mm-hmm. you're like, how do I talk to people who don't have the same experience or same perspective? They don't understand where I'm coming from. And I don't 
especially like somebody, like I said, I don't like speaking. I'm trying to get better at it. And it, like finding the right words makes me nervous when I was younger, especially like I wouldn't know how to communicate myself. And I'm mm. a very visual person. I'm drawn to, I mean, that's why I'm in architecture. I'm drawn to how things look. And so the first thing when I go to a new place that I notice is what I see, what I see, what I smell, what I hear. Those are three things that I really, really hone into. And every city is different. Every city smells different. I, I know most people are like, oh, cities stink. No, no, no. There's always like a particular scent a city has. Totally. Um, yeah. And every city sounds different. Like, like London and New York are two of my favorite cities. And I consider them sister cities because they have a lot of similarities, um, especially mm-hmm. like in the diversity end, but they are so different as well. Like, like the scent was one that was super different and obviously like the urban layout and all of that. But yeah, it's fun. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love traveling and just like looking at everything, not critically, but just like analyzing it. Yeah. Kind of like taking yeah. it all in. Yeah. And that's like where the, even though, like I said, I, I'm more drawn to visual things. I also love data and analysis. So <laughs> science and art. <laughs> they actually go hand in hand. They do. Exactly. They do. They kind of influence each other, I think. Yeah. There's, Especially I like having, data. Yeah. There's some logic, which I appreciate because subjective subjects can be pretty difficult to like, you know, try and intersect. Mm-hmm. No. Well, have you always wanted to be an architect or like kind of how did you get into that field so I didn't even know what architecture was until I think it was like my I think actually it was my senior year of high school or junior year or something um so no I definitely didn't want to be an architect like I loved science as a child Mm -hmm. like whenever my mother would take me to toy stores I would go straight to like the section with the bug catching kits the microscopes the telescopes Mm -hmm. and I would always get those so I initially wanted to be a scientist I didn't know what kind of scientist, but I just knew I wanted to do something like that. And then I realized I'm not very good at those subjects. So (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Uh, I don't know about this. So I strayed away from that. But the two things that I always had a interest in that I wanted to do for a career was something either with food or something with art. And I don't know, like, I'm sure you relate to this, but like coming from an immigrant family, that isn't something that's a traditional career role that isn't Mm -hmm. it's not stable it's something that is more of a passion it's seen like people don't understand that you can actually make money off of it and so I grew up with that mindset and my parents would always joke because I was like I want to be a chef and they're like you can just get married and cook in the kitchen if you want to be a chef you need to get like a career (laughs) they're like no you gotta pick one of you know the main the The main one the, the main jobs exactly it's something that and I understand their perspective because again, like since I'm not a first gen, like I wasn't born here, I was, it's a weird place to be because I've literally been 14 years in the East and 14 years in the West. And so like, I get the struggle of first gen and being like, no, I'm so upset. My parents forced me to do this. But then like, I also see their perspective where I'm like, no, I get it. That stability and getting a like professional degree is something that mm-hmm. like they push towards their children because they know that this is what gets you to those like rankings in the u.s this is what you can like make a name for yourself is how like my community says it well it's also about safety and exactly stability like you said it's it's what they know coming from like a parent perspective so i'm first gen okay but i think it comes from a loving place of them wanting you to have something that's stable so you don't have to work as hard work as many hours you know there's something about that want for your child to be 
doing one of the main jobs, lawyer, engineer. What's the other one? Doctor. Doctor. (laughs) Doctor. (laughs) What was the other one? You know, it provides you with some sort of sense of like financial security. They just know that you're going to be taken care of if you choose one of those things and they don't want you to be without, Yeah, which I get, but I wasn't going to do that either. Exactly. Like I get that too. And that's why like my parents luckily never like forced us to become doctors or anything. Obviously like I'm not one, but they encouraged it. So architecture was basically what was the happy medium between science and art. And I had an interest in it. I just didn't, I didn't really know what architecture was. Uh, I had an aunt that was a practicing architect in New York, but I dumbly never thought about asking her about, I don't know. I just like never thought about giving her a call, be like, Hey, what do you do? Until I just like enrolled in the classes. I was like, I guess this is what I'm doing. Like, I didn't even know who Frank Lloyd Wright was, who's everyone in America knows. So yeah. Uh, it kind of, like, like, yeah. I just threw myself in it. I was like, this should be good. <laughs> you're like, this is, I think, what I want to do. Yeah. And I mean, ironically, it is, even though it is a professional degree, like one of the licensed degrees, you work a lot. Like it's expected that you work your ass off. Unfortunately, you don't get paid overtime most of the time. And pay mm. is shit compared to the other professional degrees. Also, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. No, on. you can 100% okay. swear. Perfect. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Oh, no, it's highly encouraged, actually. Great. Awesome. that I can talk my normal talk. (laughs) Yeah, no, just talk normally. I swear a lot, unfortunately, I think sometimes. (laughs) But I just can't help it. It just comes like I never used to swear until I started working. And then everyone around me was always like, fuck. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I just like became natural. Yeah. Now that I'm home, I'm like, freaking. (laughs) Freaking shiitake mushrooms (laughs) that's it well I guess you know what I really thought was cool was that you said that when you were younger you had a hard time like something that you want to work on now is like using your words and like being a better speaker and is that because you felt uncomfortable like speaking in English or like what was that like where does your fear come from I think it's honestly just imposter syndrome and just like I don't know what it would be, but like I've always had an issue with public speaking when I'm on a platform, like a physical platform and like all eyes are on me. I just freeze. It's just definitely an imposter syndrome slash psychological issue, which I didn't realize I had until starting to present in high school. And I think it's definitely linked with consistently moving and consistently having to rebuild myself and basically reintroducing a version of myself to people that don't know me because a lot of people, you know, go to school in one country their whole entire life and they get Mm -hmm. used to their classmates, they get used to the system. So I did the British system in Pakistan and then I had to switch to the American system in America. And it was like, not just culturally, like the education system was totally different. And so I started noticing this issue happening in high school. And ironically, it started from like my gut, like actual physical stomach issues. I would be like, oh, wow. if I'm about to present, my stomach would start hurting. And it wasn't something that I linked until a few years ago when I was in so much pain from my stomach. Like I honestly had to like limit a lot of my diet because anything I ate caused me pain. And that oh was like about two years ago was a really, really stressful time in my life. Like I was working and studying and this like, doing normal life things and just 5,000 things, which not that I'm not doing that anymore, but I've Mm -hmm. learned coping mechanisms and I know my limit more or less. 
But I ended up going to a doctor and we did all these tests and they found out that I had IBS. And then I mm-hmm. realized like, that link between IBS and like IBS can be caused from psychological issues. Like if you don't take care of yeah. your mind mentally, it will affect your gut. So it's just it's insane. So it's crazy yeah. how everything's linked, right? Like yeah. the stress that's body. happening in your mind is like, it comes out in different ways in your body. Yeah. My cousin also has that. And it a lot of it is like, if she's really stressed out, or, you know, she's wants to do a good job at something, but she's starting to get like nervous. I think mm-hmm. that all starts to come in. Yeah, definitely the nerves. But English wasn't an issue. It, I've always grown up speaking English. It wasn't yeah, something. Because you went to British and American school. Yeah. And also in Pakistan, surprisingly, English, I think, is one of the official languages. It's Urdu. But so the thing about schools abroad, that's also different from the U.S. schools. You basically take three language classes. So you take the language of the country and then you take the language English, obviously, and then you have to take an elective as well. And so mm. I took French for six years. I learned nothing, obviously. So <laughs> I don't speak <laughs> it, unfortunately. But yeah, English was never an issue. It's just a uh, lack of confidence in what I had to say. I didn't think I had a voice that needed to be heard. Mm. I just preferred to sit and watch. To observe. Yeah. Because okay. I was curious, like, if then... Were you really confident in the way that you were able to share things visually, like with art and design? Yes. So I definitely felt better sharing things through art. I used to draw all the time, used to paint all the time. However, and this is like, this goes back to how important having teachers that actually, you know, encourage you and care for what you're doing. Several times Mm -hmm. developed teachers didn't like what I was doing. And so that would, that would hinder me back. And I'd be like, oh, I'm not good at this. I thought art was a subject that I understood. But if when a professor would be like, no, this is shit, you should definitely not be drawing this way. Like, let me teach you how to draw the proper way. It would hold me back. But luckily, my mom and my dad were always encouraging when it came to drawing this. I guess they saw that I had this like ability, I guess, or just interest in it. And so they would consistently buy me art things and be like, you should do it. Just keep going. Just keep going. So I definitely felt a lot more comfortable just letting my work speak for myself. And that's like where Instagram became an interesting platform for me to express parts of myself on because even though I'd been on it since 2010, like literally when it started as a photo, same. I think it was like a photo (laughs) editing app or something. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So So long ago. It was so long ago. I think my first picture was, I was in college at that time and I think I posted like a a Horcrux like symbol. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, and then I, I fucking like, love Harry Potter. Me so too. You bet so your bottom much. dollar. I've been watching them in October oh, yeah. all oh, the yeah. way through. So yes, yes to that. And I was also in college when Instagram came out, and I remember just being like, you know, all your captions were like thirty thousand hashtags. You're like tree, umbrella, yes. <laughs> rain, sunny day. Exactly. No filter. <laughs> no filter, but there are like four filters on there. <laughs> You're like, I'm using what was that one like? Valencia. Tennessee. Yeah, I, Valencia. <laughs> yeah, I was a Valencia girl. I was like, mm, this filter speaks to me. I love it. Represents <laughs> me and expresses who I am today. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the beginning of Instagram. It's insane. Like, right now, you use the platform to talk about so many different things, which I feel like I learned so much from your Instagram, and you talk a lot about 
social justice, like history, through clothes, food, you know, all these different things. And how long have you been doing that? Well, thank you for one for saying that you learn a lot through it. I really appreciate that. I've been, I guess, consistently posting like the three, I guess, pillars on my feed, which is architecture, cuisine and style for, I guess, around three years. The only reason I started doing that was because Again, like I have crippling indecision making skills and I would post like once a month, even though I had tons of pictures on my phone that I wanted to share, but I was like, how, I don't know which one to pick. And so I I decided that these are three things that I do more or less on a daily basis and I like sharing things about them. And so might as well just use the grid system to post these. So that's how it more or less started. But during quarantine is when I started trying to use it for more educational purposes. I always, for the Mm -hmm. food column, I always would write about what I'm eating, like in like a, I guess, educational wise, because I'm not a chef. I enjoy developing recipes and sharing recipes, but what draws me more to food is the history and the stories that come with food and how they connect you to your roots or to different people or different parts Mm -hmm. of your life and memories, especially. So been sharing food stories for quite a while that relate to me directly. And style-wise, I've always integrated parts of like my mom's closet, my own closet, my dad's closet, like anyone's closet that is related to me because they don't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) And sorry, but you have to do this. Uh, I'm also not sorry because I'm going to wear it. But yeah, I've always integrated parts of different cultures into my outfits that are cultures that I'm from but never necessarily realized how important it was to break down certain pieces until Mm -hmm. I started being like, oh, what's the history of this fabric? Or, oh, why was this stitched this way? And so from my curiosity, I realized that I was learning quite a bit and wanted to share it because others are curious and it's just fun. Like Mm -hmm. I I like educating. I don't know if I'd ever be a teacher necessarily, but I love mentoring. I love working with youth. I used to be part of Girl Forward when I was in Austin. and Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And so through that, like, not only do I learn a lot, others learn. And then I learn even more. Like, sometimes people will comment and be like, oh, this fabric, actually, if it's stitched in this pattern or this direction, comes from this culture, which I, I wouldn't have even known if somebody hadn't told me. That is so cool. All right. All birds. Y'all, I have to tell you about them because not only do they make the world's most comfortable shoes using natural materials, they care about their community. And that is so refreshing. Recently, they asked me to join their global community of changemakers called the All Good Collective, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. I am part of this group with a couple of other people you might recognize, like Leah Thomas, who's the founder of Intersectional Environmentalist, Lisa, who's the founder of the sustainable fashion brand Mian Studios, and so many other amazing people that are doing really awesome things in their communities. Part of Albert's focus this year has been to empower their own members by elevating our voices, our work, and our stories. They really are on a mission to do things right. And if you'd like to check out the work of the other All Good Collective members, visit Community allbirds.com for upcoming events online and in real life. You can also follow them on social media at Allbirds. But 
I'm going to give you a chance to seriously try out a pair of Allbirds with our monthly giveaway. So make sure you stick around until the end of the episode to find out how you can win a pair of Allbirds and see for yourself how freaking amazing they are and know that I'm truly, genuinely a fan. All right, back to the episode. What is your process about like learning about these things, I guess? You know, like, I, I guess I don't even know where... I would start like researching because <laughs> I feel like I get this, like I just get on the internet and I'm also a very curious person, but then I'm like, is this a right fact? Like, is this yeah. correct? <laughs> like, what am I, like, what am I reading? Yeah, exactly. So, it's, it, that is a difficult part about uh, fact checking. So I guess I have resources that I know are pretty good and that mm-hmm. uh, pass like my fact checking <laughs> Standards. Uh, standards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, if I'm asking about something personal, I will ask my parents. Like, if when it comes to food, mm-hmm. again, like, I won't know because I'm, we're such a fusion family and we've moved so many times. Nothing we do is 100% like traditional or like pure, I guess, in a sense. We have integrated different parts of culture into not just the clothes we wear, but the food we eat and even the decor in the house and everything in general. And so the way I try to present personal things not necessarily I guess like factual in a sense like there'll always be a story tied to it so like the my mother's closet series I'll break down the fabric which I know like it's easy to track down where it comes from or like the material that it's made because those are all tangible things so you can find easily the history of them online or you can just honestly ask like any auntie or uncle that's aware of like the fabric Uh, my family's a great resource I'll ask like my aunts and uncles be like hey what is this? Hey, what is that? What do you call this yeah. dish? How do you make it, etc. But when it comes to like architecture, that's the one that is like factual. You got to do your research. So I'll go by. I have several books that I love to read that I'll double check with, and then just websites that I would always browse anyways for precedence and inspiration. And then I'll cross reference. I always cross reference, and it is super time consuming. But the thing is, yeah. like with the architecture one, I was doing that regardless because. Despite like being really grateful for the education I received, I noticed that it was very Eurocentric. And a lot of the architects that I looked up to, in a sense, were mm-hmm. or, like kind of made to look up to were a bunch of white men. Totally. And, yeah. And like, yes, they did great work. But I realized like there are so many architects out there that are ignored because they're not, you know, white men. White. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not a white man. And so I wanted to improve my own, I guess, like mood boards or whatever. We, we could just call them precedents and my own knowledge and also just learn different varied design principles that wasn't thought to me in school because the regions that we studied weren't like the desert or, um, you know, like different parts of the world. So, yeah, I was doing the research anyways. So I was like, all right, might as well start sharing. But Might as well does, start sharing. Yeah, it does take time. and. I mean, just like you, and I was going to ask how you do it all as well, because like you work a full-time job and you do like 5,000 things as well. And you are on top of it. Like I actually really admire everything you do with Inbold Co. Thank you so much. 10 out of 10. (laughs) Super cool. Going to ask you a bunch of questions on how you do it. But yeah, you just, unfortunately, you do have to make sacrifices. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, You got to. It's like, you know... It's funny. Thank you for saying that because yeah. <laughs> lately, you know, it's it's easy to feel that imposter syndrome, you know, we're all yes. subject to it at any age, at any time. And literally sometimes I'm like, 
what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, that's like literally how I feel Yeah, that is me all the time. I'm just yeah. like, why the, the fuck? fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? Like, you know, when you just get in that vortex and you end up just mm-hmm. laying on the floor, staring at your ceiling. Yes. Sometimes I'll just go on a walk though. Honestly, I'll be like, oh my God, I need to be outside. I can't. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. You know, I'm you hit like a wall. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And it's just like good to hear that from somebody that, Honestly, like I literally personally crush on you because I'm like, <laughs> damn, that's fucking cool. That's Aww. really cool. Like I just love, and I think it's because like I also am super interested in this stuff too. You know, like before I was doing in bold, like I wanted to be a blogger. Classic, right? Um, All like, of us do, and then you, you know, know, everyone yeah. wanted to do that. <laughs> you know, we grew up in the beginning of Instagram, exactly. So, you know, and like I lived abroad, and I was traveling a lot, and I was so. I'm just so interested in like the way that food and travel and culture and, you know, places really bring people together and how it explains so many things, right? It's just, it's history. And the older I've gotten and the more that I explore my own identity, I'm constantly asking questions and I realize that that's kind of like the key to everything almost. It's like curiosity and asking questions. Exactly. You know, and to be honest, like, I don't know that much about Pakistan. Like, I don't know that much about um, a lot of, you know, the different facets Mm -hmm. of your culture that you mentioned earlier, but I learn a lot of it through you and like meeting new people and asking so that I can learn also. Yeah. And it's just funny how like all these things are at the tips of our fingertips. There's no reason that people can't learn or explore or be curious and be taught different things, you know? Exactly. I no, I, I agree. It's pretty and, neat. <laughs> and, and thank you so much. I have a crush on you as well, so don't worry. Girl crush oh all around. So many girl crushes. You're killing, you're killing it. We're going to have to get a coffee when I'm in Austin. Oh, please. <laughs> yes. For sure. Um, but yeah, no, I totally understand that because like, it's funny. I have always been a curious child. Like that, That's one thing that my mom would always say like, you were always curious, always asking questions, but that wasn't seen as a good thing. And I think this is something that's cultural. A lot of my teachers in elementary school and middle school and all that would complain to my parents about me asking too many questions in class. They'd be like, Aisha's always raising her hand. She always wants to know. And yes, there were some dumb questions. Like, I think one, my, <laughs> my mom one time was like, you ask your science teacher what happens when you sit on a geezer or geyser, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know. Yeah, I wanted to know. If she said, like, you would die, I'd be happy. But instead of answering my questions, she was just like, "Um, I'm going to call your mom. (laughs) I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are you asking me this? No, I mean, I also grew, I, like, moved a lot when I was growing up. Not, you know, across countries or anything like that. Just, like, generally, we just moved a lot around the Chicago suburbs. And so earlier, I think you mentioned it was kind of, like, always a moment of redefining yourself yes, and kind of like reintroducing yourself and like re-putting yourself into spaces. And I've thought a lot about how that's influenced who I am today. You know, I think it's easy for me to like meet new people and, and talk, but it also has, it was kind of like a good thing and a bad thing. Cause I feel like it enabled me to kind of be a little bit of a chameleon, right? Mm-hmm, you can same. kind of like, blend into different places and spaces and you learn you learn how to maneuver like around exactly. people 
Exactly. But at the same time, I think when you move so much, everyone innately wants to be liked. Yes. You know, you want to belong. And I think that also then kind of pushed me into how do I be assimilation? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like how do I be like quote unquote them or how do I be like quote unquote normal? Yep. Right. And again, just like an interesting thought about like, if you've moved a lot, if you are, you know, othered, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, how do I not be othered? Oh, I just act the same as everybody else, you know? And I just like love seeing as we evolve and, you know, I'm sure lots of people that are in our community, like women of color, they evolve and they get older and they realize that like all those things that made them different or othered are actually things that we can celebrate yeah. and be really proud of. Yeah. Just my random thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's so relevant and it is so true. and. That's what I tried to do for the first, I don't know, 20, first 22 years of my life, which is a big <laughs> for, 23 years. Forever. Forever, yeah. yeah. It wasn't until I left the academic world, honestly, that I was not in a quarter life crisis. Yeah, let's say quarter life crisis. Where I was just like, all right, what the fuck am I doing? I like, quit my first job without having something lined up, booked a ticket to Iceland, went to like Marfa, West Texas, New York and all that because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life but I need to travel and I need to figure mm-hmm. shit out and um, ended up getting a job like immediately after, which was great. But like, it took that breakdown, <laughs> I guess you could say, yes. to really sit back and think, why do I keep trying to fit in spaces that I don't belong in? Why do I keep trying to mold myself to be someone that I am not? And like inwardly, I always felt uncomfortable trying to assimilate but it is easier. It's just a safer, it's like kind of like a defense mechanism that we hold. We're like, we're safer if we mirror or reflect the people that are around us instead of mm-hmm. standing out. And like for me, like it's very interesting because my siblings and I, we all, we have some similarities, but you can tell the differences with us, like how mixed we are by pinpointing the different features of us. And for me personally, it was easier to assimilate in Western society as compared to like my brother or my sister who are darker and look more like I look more, I don't know, Turkish or whatever. Like it's, it's people, I look more ambiguous. So it's easier mm-hmm. for me to assimilate in a sense where I don't feel like I'm in danger, but doing so would definitely lose a part of myself every time I did that. And I felt it. It was strange how like inwardly you're like, this is not me. I don't feel comfortable, but I'm making others feel comfortable because they're uncomfortable if I'm actually myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I grappled with that for years, especially like being Muslim. Like that wasn't something I ever talked about, even though I was, or still am obviously a practicing Muslim, but it wasn't like being a practicing Muslim. If you're not wearing the headscarf, didn't make sense to people. Like a lot of times they assume that if you're not wearing the hijab, which is the headscarf, that you just don't practice like you're just like quote-unquote modern muslim which is such a dumb phrase because like what does that mean yeah exactly what does that even mean so i would get really annoyed and frustrated because like anytime i'd say oh i gotta go pray around my like friends that weren't practicing or sorry not muslim or even ones that were muslim but like more on the non-practicing side people would look at me strange and then i would be made to feel uncomfortable i'd be like oh this isn't something i should show like this part of my identity i should keep to myself 
Mm -hmm. never talk about it especially like being in a creative field most people aren't religious which is totally fine like i don't give a shit do what you want but yeah i do do whatever you want like i literally don't care but like respect what i do just because it's different don't be a dick (laughs) yeah exactly that is like number one rule don't be a dick (laughs) don't be a dick that's gonna be the quote from this episode just don't be a dick (laughs) just don't be a dick like (laughs) (laughs) so many people it is sad and I wish I had someone like a mentor or something when I was younger and constantly moving that would tell me that you really don't have to pretend to be something that you're not and trying to fit into these like it was like trying to put a circle in a square or something or vice mm-hmm. versa like it just didn't work out but it's all that I had and like you said like constantly moving you you just want to feel rooted you just want to feel like you belong somewhere but sometimes those places don't work out. They don't want you. Yeah. Why Sometimes they're, they're not there yet. They haven't existed yeah. yet. Or you haven't found the place or even created the space that's, that's for that's you to you got to create the space. And that's what I started realizing the older I got was if I can't find these spaces, I need to make them. Like, why just take it as like, oh, it doesn't exist. So it doesn't exist at all. And um, that's where the internet becomes really handy because you can reach out to so many people around the world. Like, it's insane mm-hmm. how many people I've met because of instagram honestly <laughs> again just like same as much as i hate instagram i have met some same. freaking cool <laughs> people i'm like oh shit like this person's teaching me so much like i love what they're doing we can collaborate we can just like yeah. bounce ideas off of each other like it's kind of amazing even though sometimes it, it definitely sucks yeah you know, there's there's the bad side and then there's the good side of the internet i guess i agree and unfortunately the bad side is the one that's like consumerism corporate like controlling our brains or whatever like you know affecting tracking things that we say yes now it's sending us advertisements oh 100% (laughs) I wonder what ads I'm gonna get it because my phone's right next to me and it's probably gonna me too yeah it's gonna be like "Mm." we'll have to compare (laughs) it's It's probably the same ads I know I wonder yeah like what would it be that'd be hilarious but I'm actually curious I'm gonna ask you a question now yeah ask me what is your identity because you were saying like you moved around a lot so like what have you found out about your own identity through that journey oh man that's a good question (laughs) uh so yeah I'm, I'm happy to answer. I don't know if I've maybe I've talked about it. So I'm first gen Filipina. Mm-hmm. So both my parents were born in the Philippines. My dad moved to the United States when he was 17, I think. So he was much older, you know? Uh-huh. And I think that also really impacted him a lot. My mom moved here when she was six. And so she's like, if you talk to her, she has an American accent. Like, you know, she sounds American. She doesn't sound like she was born in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But I think, and my grandma's actually an architect. Oh, no way! Mm-hmm. She designed part, I always tell people, she designed part of the Chicago Public Library, which is really cool. Oh, my God. I love grandmas. Can I hang out grandmas with Grandmas are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> grandmas are awesome. I love grandparents. But they, you know, I think like all immigrant families, they came to the United States to give their kids a better life. You know, Mm -hmm. they thought that they saw opportunity here. And I think I've always really been interested in exploring identity, especially as I've gotten older because I felt more confident in exploring my identity, you know, Um, like we were talking about, it's really easy when you're younger to just want to be 
like everyone else. Yeah. You just want to be the same. And as I got older, I started wondering, like, why do I feel so disconnected almost, mm-hmm. you know? And I started like allowing my curiosity to kind of take me places. And I've always really wondered, like, why my dad had a certain experience in the United States and my mom had a different experience in the United yeah. States. Like, and why even amongst my dad's siblings, like why he was a certain way and why they were a certain way and just kind of exploring these ideas because full disclosure. So my dad, he was, it was, you know, the nineties in LA and mm-hmm. he was in a gang, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, I mean, it was Compton. Yeah. He's Compton LA kind of, kind yeah, of vibes. Yeah. And so if anyone knows the history of LA in the nineties, it was pretty complicated yeah Yeah. so I was always curious like how did he end up there you know and I think it's because you immigrate to a new country and you want to belong and you Mm -hmm. want to find a sense of belonging and community and no matter what capacity that's in and that was always something that I just wanted to understand more you know and I've always grown up mostly in like white spaces. And I say that a lot on the podcast, like I've always grown up with not so much diversity, Mm -hmm. not so much of like sharing culture until I studied abroad. And it was like my brain imploded, you know, like, yeah, I got to meet so many people. Um, I studied in Sevilla. Oh, nice. Which was awesome. And just like, you know, it kind of just like sparked something in my mind. Like I have always wanted to travel. Like Uh when I was little, I was like, constantly reading books and like reading magazines and like looking up apartments in London on like <laughs> realestate.com. You I know, I was just there. Yeah. Yes. I feel like I still do that stuff. <laughs> but I just like knew in my heart that there was like a whole world out there that yeah. I just hadn't seen or experienced. And when I finally got to go, it was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like look at all of these things that you can see and explore and meet new people that question your ideas and your thoughts and you get to learn and expand and just grow. That's why I love traveling so much. And, and then that's, you know, how I started like back then my blog, that's the reason kind of behind my Instagram name. My last name is not Perdita. It means lost in Spanish. Okay, I was wondering, I was was going to be like, wait, she's Filipino, but are you also Hispanic as well? But like, hmm. You can trace my family, like my dad's side for sure. Like my great grandma is um, from Salamanca, which is oh, right nice. outside of Madrid. And so, yeah, so like my dad's side can easily trace it back to Spain. And so, might as well. I mean, you, yeah, there so you go. basically, <laughs> yes, because I felt very at home in Spain. I love that though. But, you know, just like these ideas of like traveling and like meeting new people and like really following your curiosity is kind of what led me to this Mm -hmm. and to your point earlier it's like the more you kind of like step into your curiosity and the more you start asking your family questions and the more you start questioning things the more information you you know you open up to yourself and also I just like wanted more women of color friends yeah (laughs) like we're different you know I just wanted to know like why not ask you to come on the podcast and talk to me a little bit about your culture and tell me like where you're from and how you started exploring your identity. Like, you know, like a lot, so many women have messaged me and been like, I really just 
I just realized that I wanted to explore my own identity. You know, we're all in our twenties and all of a sudden we're like, holy shit, like I need to know more about this. Yeah. And you know, women of color just need a place to do that. I think. No, for sure. And like the information sharing is such a wonderful way to like, you know, not learn about somebody else in the process, but also learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's like my favorite thing to do is just like have these conversations when you're traveling because, and like, not just traveling, like just these conversations in general. Yeah. Cause then like, you know, I learn about where you're from or what relates to you or how certain things make you feel. And then I can relate it back to my own experiences. And I'm like, Oh, it's not as lonely as I thought, because that's something that I feel like a lot of immigrant mixed first gen, just like third culture, diaspora, whatever, all these labels, like we all at the root of it just feel misunderstood and really lonely. And when we realize that somebody who doesn't necessarily have the exact same life experience as we do, but can touch upon those emotional aspects of the constantly moving or constantly feeling out of place, at least personally for me, I started feeling a lot less like misfit or just like exactly. Yeah. Yes. It was a relief. relief. Mm -hmm. It is. It is a relief. And you know, you realize like we're all from different places and we're all feeling some of the same exact feelings, no matter what our cultural heritage is, what our ethnicity is, where we Mm -hmm. grew up. Like we feel the same things, you know, we're, we're bleeding red. It's all the same. And I love it. Yeah, me too. I think it's really awesome. And that's, you know, it's kind of why we didn't, I didn't want to only, you know, start something for just, I don't know, Asian Americans, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I think there's a lot of different groups that are doing amazing work for like an even smaller niche, Mm -hmm. niche, you know what I mean? I don't know the word. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I forget the right way that you're supposed to say that. But there wasn't really anything that I saw that encompassed like women of color that you know, maybe the term itself is problematic, whatever. Y'all get my point. Yeah. It's just like this idea of like, we can all celebrate our cultures together, learn together and like share what it is that, that we are Yeah, in, you know, in a safe space. I mean, it's similar to what y'all are doing at Brown Girls Food Club. Yeah. Which is also super dope and everyone should go check it out. Yes, please check it out. Uh, we have our October meetup next week weekend uh, virtual and a, a very regulated socially distant 10 people maximum we are nervous about you know doing that but it's in the park it's outside and if there is a looming second lockdown i don't know i don't know how it's going is that gonna happen i don't know we're still in the first wave i'm not I sure don't know anything that's happening anymore i'm just like this is this is our life for pff, god knows how long but yeah, Brown Girls Food Club actually did come about because of wanting to find a space where I felt understood. And again, like we keep saying, oh, Instagram, Instagram, like literally it started because like I messaged Hamaila and was like, yo, you're like the only Muslim that I've met, not even physically, like online. Like, can we have dinner or something together? Because it was during Ramadan, which is like the month where Muslims fast. And typically, like that's a very community focused month and you spend it with family and friends and the mosque and all of that. But I didn't necessarily have that community in Austin because I was constantly working, didn't have time for building a community. And so I was like, all right, this is fine until, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like that meme where you're just sitting with the mug. You're like, this is fine. fine. It's okay. <laughs> like I've always been a kind because of constantly moving. I've always relied on myself and I've always been like, I am enough for myself, which yes, that is true. 
I am good enough. However, I grew up in a very, I think, is it high context? I can't remember the exact term, but there's like low context and high context culture, where I think low context is the Western and high context is more Eastern, where you do grow up with like multi-generational families and you mm-hmm. are used to not just thinking of yourself, you're brought up to think of what others are doing as part of your decision. I might mm-hmm. be flipping the two. I'm not entirely sure. So just fact check that. No. But yeah, like fact check us, fact check us, but yeah, fact check us, you guys but, get our point. <laughs> yeah, but it's really interesting to see the difference between low context and high context culture and how I was basically in the middle and grappling between the two. And so the reason I reached out to Hamila was like, oh, Ramadan is a community focused month and I want to break fast with other people. So we met with a, a few other women of color and it just felt so nice to be in a space where, I don't know, I kind of like didn't have to put a like a version of myself up front that Mm -hmm. felt like a relief and so that's basically how it started because we loved it so much we're like let's open it up to other women of color in austin or just bipoc women and see if this is a space that's needed and turned out it is and it's not just austin it's we're hoping to expand to other cities i was saying sooner than later it might just be virtually sooner than later because i don't really know the conditions but yeah it's i love it a lot and i love food food is my number one favorite thing, honestly, probably even more than architecture and style. That's where a lot of people come together. Yeah. Food is breaking bread together. My grandfather actually owned a, or great grandfather owned an inn on the Silk Road called the Caravan Sarai, which is um, basically like the whole concept is people, travelers would come stay there while like on the way to trade goods. And there's always like a long table where people would come break bread together, share information, get to know each other, and then move on with their journey. And so, I love that whole concept for Brown Girls Food Club. And wow, that. I love that. Yeah. I can't wait for things to have like come back to in person so you, yeah. y'all can do that. I think it would be amazing. Me too. Hopefully sooner than later. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would cry most likely. <laughs> Me too. I will be crying. Like, well. This amazing long table of women of color from all over Austin just eating yes. and chatting. Yeah. That's like, definitely needed here. I have like, if you ever see my Trello board, I don't know if you use Trello, but like I have, <laughs> uh, it's my life. Trello, Google Calendar, Google Keep, everything has to be organized or I will never get it done. Same. That I have so many plans like for the future for different like pop-up concepts for Brown Girls Food Club and other projects that I'm working on that I haven't like materialized as yet, but basically focus around the question, where are you from? Because it's such a heavy question that I'd love to use as a way to bring even more people together because everyone has a story, not just like where they're born or whatever, even just from their name, like all these bits of information should be shared with people who feel alone or misunderstood, because then you're like, Oh, I'm not that different. I do get to celebrate the parts of me that are different. But there are other people who also have these differences. So it makes like there is that connection. So yeah, Mm -hmm. lots of future plans. Don't know where they'll go. But my board has it all. The board has it all. I have so many ideas. I like something that I really wanted to do before COVID hit was like do these like family parties is kind of what I wanted to call it. It's like, you know, I grew up also multi-generational, like with my cousins. It's like pretty sad because I don't have any family necessarily here in Austin. I have a lot of friends, which is great. And they are family, but like I grew up with my cousins. Like at one point we all lived in the same house. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up going like literally had a family party for everything. 
Yeah, same. Birthday, I was like this. Yeah, there was that and, family life. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was so much fun. You know, you get to like get together and like eat and hang out and just be with each other. And so I've always wanted to do kind of like a family, like a family party where uh-huh. we do like potluck. You know, and everyone just comes together and like hangs out. Basically, I love that. And so like literally nothing complicated. Just exactly what I used to do with my family. Yes, yeah, so fun too because everybody has that. Well, anybody who actually like cooks and enjoys it has that signature dish. And so mm-hmm. like bringing that part of yourself to a pot, like not like physically you as a person, but bringing yourself into your, your signature dish is such a fun thing because then you get to be like, I learned this from my grandmother or I invented this recipe because I had gluten issues or just like something that there's it tells so much, it tells yeah. so many stories. And it's funny actually, because I think this is my mom. I'm pretty sure not my aunt, but my mom, like in school, she had to, they, everyone was like sharing a recipe. I think it was kind of like a demonstration or something. And so my mom decided to roll lumpia, which are Filipino egg rolls. Yes. I like and my mom ended up leaving. Oh my God. They're so good. And there's no pork in them. I can finally eat them. <laughs> also true. Yes, that's true. We can make some without that. Ah, yes, but, please. <laughs> but my mom, like, started crying during her presentation because it was reminding her of her grandma, my great grandma, my Lola, who was super special. She was the matriarch of our family. And my mom like burst into tears as she's like teaching people about egg rolls because it reminds her of family, you know? And I think, again, it's like the importance of food and what food does for families and communities, you know, really brings people together. You can always bond over food. People need food. Yeah, it's huge. And that was like actually a big realization for me. Food just isn't sustenance. It is a link to yourself. So speaking of my grandmothers, what I grew up eating is oiler food. And I didn't realize that it was oiler food, honestly, until I came to the US because it was just what we ate at home. This was normal. Like, you know, as a kid, you don't really question what people put on the table or your family puts on the table because it's just food. And after my grandmother passed away in 2013, I missed her a lot. She was like the closest grandparent that we had and we grew up around her. And so basically that is when I started like thinking about the foods that she made and would try to recreate them. I wasn't super confident in the kitchen and also just like, you know, I was in college. I was busy studying abroad and like I studied abroad twice that year. And so I was like, did not have time to even sit back and think about these things. But the older I get, the more I've been like making an effort to learn not just like the recipes of my living family members and also deceased ones, because like a part of my family is the older side. And so like those recipes are going to be gone. Like if they're not passed down for me, like my generation, nobody's going to know them. And so I've made like an effort to try to preserve all of those, which is also why I started sharing them on Instagram. And like my goal is to publish this as a cookbook. So. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, and it'd be like, there are different parts of like all my culture that I've hit up. So it'd basically be like a little, I don't know, <laughs> a book that you can like tap through and be like Pakistani section, Arab section, yeah. <laughs> Uzbek section. Yes, but I love that. The, the importance of it didn't come first from like publishing it for like the public. It came because my cousins started asking me questions because I'm one of the oldest one in our family. So the younger ones would be like, oh, that dish, you know, this aunt makes, what is it called? Or, oh, where is this person from? Like, you know, is this Uzbek? Is this Pakistani? Is this Uyghur? Like, what is it? So I realized the importance of it because like, this is something that needs to be passed down for the ones that are the diaspora. Otherwise, it's going to get lost. 
And that link mm-hmm. just like gets cut. It just disappears. Yeah. And it is like, in a sense, you know, it is a privilege that we do know our roots and we are able to trace them back. And we have those links with our parents. Because if you think about the future generation, unfortunately, assimilation is something that happens as you stay in your host country for an extended period of time. So, you know, the next generation, the generation after that, they might not know anything at all unless we actually make them learn the languages, the food that we eat, the clothes that we wear, and the history of it. Because another thing that, like living in the Eastern countries and then moving to the Western countries, the Western diaspora do tend to romanticize certain parts, but don't understand like the history that comes with it. And so Mm -hmm. there are some toxic parts of the culture that, in my opinion, should not be passed down. So, yeah. We age like, what is it, fine wine, cheese? Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> we, take, we take the best parts and then we pass them down. Yes, because culture... We is, ignore the other things. Exactly. <laughs> culture is great. I love it. But people need to realize there are some toxic parts of it that shouldn't be celebrated. Oh, yeah. We could definitely go into that <laughs> for probably another hour. Oh, for, uh, for real. <laughs> for, for forever. But just kind of want to say thank you so much like this has been an awesome like conversation i feel like you. we need to seriously have coffee and we could probably chit chat for like i said hours about just random stuff but i wanted to give you the chance to like say if there's anything else that you're offering i'm gonna i'll link brown girl food club in the show notes so that people okay. can go check it out Perfect. so that they can maybe attend a meetup some of it's virtual is there anything else that you want to share yeah, so let me see. I'll be speaking on a panel at Austin Design Week on November 12th. <gasps> yeah, cool. I'll be speaking with Brown Collective, which is a badass group of oh, my, my friends. Gosh, I yeah. love them. They're, they're awesome. awesome too. They're they're amazing. So they're um, interior designers and visual artists and as well, just like overall design. And so we'll be talking about the space that BIPOC designers have in the future. So hopefully it should be a really interesting one. Oh, fuck yeah. I'll like that. Oh, on November 15th, I'm speaking at the Women's Power Summit in MENA, the Middle Eastern region. It, the theme is Pivot. Honestly, I'm not exactly sure what I'm talking about. Like, you know, I, I was telling you earlier, I don't like speaking. And like, I'm taking all these speaking things that I'm like, I need it's to prepare. Practice. It is practice. Hamila and I will be debuting our <gasps> oh collaborated jewelry collection that I'm very excited about. So wow. the collection is basically Hamila, she gets a lot of her inspiration from architecture. And there's a series on Instagram I've been doing called Unsung Architects that focuses on minority architects that aren't necessarily studied in academia. And like I was saying, like the ones I had educated myself on. So we collaborated on selecting four of the designers I researched and creating jewelry based off of them. So yeah. Wow. Wait, when are you guys dropping that? I don't know yet. We're still prototyping the pieces. And once she mm-hmm. ships it over to Austin to get it photographed soon, sometime in November. Okay. So like off. right before everyone's holiday shopping. That's what we wanted. We wanted to make it before the holiday. So I really hope that that will be a thing because another part of it is we wanted part of the profits to go towards organizations that help like towards, you know, proper architectural education or the ones that some of the architects oh, have. Oh, so cool. Yeah, because it's important. Like there are, like the mm-hmm. whole thing with the field is it's, I think it was like 90 something percent white. And it's true. There's only two, oh, 100%. 2% of licensed architects in the US are black. That's it, 2%. So it's an issue. 100%. Oh, I love 
when people are disrupting spaces. Yes, I disrupt everything. It's so good. <laughs> In a good I way. <laughs> everything. I'm uh, uh, Enneagram nine wing one. So oh, I'm the challenger. No, the a peacemaker. Oh, the peacemaker. Yeah, so I don't disrupt. I was like, wait, sorry, what? Yeah, no, no, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't disrupt places, but it is out of my comfort zone. But, like, these are necessary things. I try to, I just want everyone to be happy. That's my go-to. Yeah, and everyone's going to be happy when everything is more diverse and we can open doors for more people. Exactly. That's all I want. More opportunities. Yeah. Well, are there any other women of color that are inspiring you right now that people should go check out their work? Uh, you for one, oh, thank check you. out your work. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do a stellar job, especially like I signed up for the newsletters, I think of a while back. And like when I get them, I'm like, damn, she's like on top of it. She's doing so good. Snaps. Thank you. <laughs> it's so fun. Honestly, it's basically just like me on the internet creeping around, like seeing cool things. So no, I love it. Cause I learned, like you said, like you, it's nice that you're learning off my Instagram, but I'm also learning off of your work as well. So it's a uh, mutual very beneficial love it thank you you're welcome um let me think who else i feel like a lot of the women of color that i look up to are people that i actually know which is wonderful like i've never i guess felt unless i get to know somebody personally or have a conversation with them i don't necessarily feel as inspired by them because i know like what mm. they put out into the world is just a small snippet of them and True. i need to have that emotional connection with them but um some of the ones that i haven't met but hope to in the future. One of them is Asma Khan, and she is a chef. She's a lawyer that turned into a chef. She's London-based, oh, cool. and she opened up this restaurant called Darjeeling Express, where she employs basically second daughters to work in her restaurant, and it's all run by women of color, and it's amazing. And her story... Wow. Yeah, her story's on, I think is it Chef, or one of the Netflix series, but she's amazing. Oh, like Chef's Table? Chef's Table, yeah, yeah. I forgot oh, what wow, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, she's great. Yasmin Lari is one of my favorite architects. She's from Pakistan. She does humanitarian work. She's to be part of the collection. My sister, I guess, she's really annoying, but, you know, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> she's a hustler. She, she gets shit done. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many. There's, oh God. Like I could go on and on and on. Like all the women I've color that I've met, they've all inspired me in one way or another and just like excite me and our great soundboard. So shout out to all of y'all. You're wonderful people. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> I love it. Yay. I'm like, I can't wait to check out some of the people that you said. I need to watch. The, I'll find the chef's table link and I'll link it also in the show notes. Cause I'm going to watch it. So I'm it's a really it. good episode. It actually made me tear up. And really? Yeah. I, well, I say I wasn't an emotional person, but like the pandemics changed that. And like all the emotions just fell into one place. And now I'm like, yeah, how do I, I handle like, these? <laughs> I feel like it's totally normal to cry. Like, once a day, once a week, yeah. once yeah. an hour. I don't know. These tear ducts, they used to be dry as fuck. <laughs> and now <laughs> the, the gates have opened. <laughs> Y'all, 2020 fucked me up. It did. And that's it. It did. Work that hard shell. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening all the way until the end. And I'm changing things up. The first thing that I want to tell you about is how you can win a free pair of Allbirds. So you need to do two things right now. One, take a second to leave a review on iTunes and tell us how much you love us, hopefully. <laughs> and I'll even make it really easy by sharing the link in the show notes. Second thing you got to do is just 
tag in bold company and all words of you listening to the podcast, whichever your favorite episode is. If it's this one, that's it. You're automatically entered. Just make sure you tag me so that I can see. And there's one winner per month. Love you a lot. The other thing that we're going to change up is at the end of every episode, I want to do quick and dirty. <laughs> this is like my favorite saying right now for some reason. I know it's it's not new, not trendy, but I just wanted to talk about some of the people, places, things that I've been obsessing over lately or binging really hard. And one of them is the Create Well podcast by Ray Saragoza and Erica, that's also on the podcast. She is a painter, but I've been binging that a lot lately and some of our favorite people are on it like Nicole Cardoza. There was a really good episode about imposter syndrome with Milk and I'm trying to think of what the other episode that I really liked was but I can't remember right now. Anyway, super crushing on Ray Zaragoza. She just released an album recently called Woman in Color and in one of her songs she straight up is like I grew up wanting to be white. (laughs) I felt like that was really relatable. And then another person that I'm really crushing on these days is Brianna Jenkins. She is the host of Tea with Brie, another podcast, but also she lives in Austin, as I do. And I have just been loving everything that she's been putting out lately. She was featured on Women of Color Weekly the other week, which is our newsletter. I'll go into that in a second. But super obsessed with her, super obsessed with my new plants that I got. One of my best friends, Sinitra, has been helping me be a better plant mom, and now all my plants are thriving. I'm super pumped. I just got a piece, I think it's a piece lily, but I haven't killed my prayer plant, and so that's pretty awesome. And then some other brands that I'm super obsessed with are Tawa Threads, which is a company based out of Austin and they make hand and screen printed textiles inspired by the land, which is awesome. And then they also donate a proceeds of their profit to uh, BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus initiatives in outdoor spaces. So awesome. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I'm super crushing on these days, but That might be it that I can think of off the top of my head at this exact moment. Uh, But yeah, if y'all want to send me any women of color that you are loving and crushing on right now, I would love to know and maybe we'll add it to our Thursday morning newsletter, which is where we share events, resources, inspiration, all by women of color. And if you're not on it, I promise you will love it. So you should totally join the newsletter, but otherwise, You can find me on Instagram at InboldCompany. Feel free to DM me. I would love to hear from you. All right, y'all. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you next week.